0: 2 Kings chapter 4. The Bible says again, and it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, verse 8 of, of 2 Kings chapter 4, where was a great woman. She constrained him, talking of Elijah, to eat bread, and so it was that as oft as he passed by, he turned in thither to eat bread. And she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us continually. Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee, on the wall, and let us set for him there a bed and a table and a stool and a candlestick. And it shall be when he cometh to us that he shall turn in thither. So I want you to see, first of all, number one, the Shunammite woman. We don't don't know her name. Um, We don't know her husband's name. Her husband is mentioned. She is just referred to as the woman from Shunem or the Shunemite woman. But this woman perceived needs and strove to meet them. And really what, what I'm giving to you this morning, again, are lessons from a great woman. These are just, I've, I've kind of picked out five things from this passage of Scripture that that the Lord kind of made jump off the page to me, five areas that that we can learn from, from this great woman that is mentioned in God's Word. So she, first of all, she perceived needs and strove to meet them. Let me, let me just say this first. Whose, whose needs are we paying attention to this morning? You know, very, very often, every, really almost every day, our, our natural tendency is to focus and concentrate on, on our needs. That, that's just what is innate in all of us. We, we want to take care of ourselves. We want to we make sure we're in good shape oftentimes. But let me challenge you this morning on a daily basis. Whose, whose needs are you looking for? Whose needs are you, are you, are you finding maybe? And, and are, you, are you meeting those needs? Obviously, you have responsibilities to your home, um, to your, possibly your workplace, and other very important parts of your life. That, that you have to tend to, your own family you have to take care of, which we'll talk a little bit about this morning. But outside of that, whose, whose needs are you seeing? Whose needs are you perceiving? And, and are, you, are you striving to meet them? And I, I just want you to see two sets of needs that, that this woman met. First of all, she, she saw and perceived physical needs. You know, Elisha, the prophet, the great prophet of God that, that learned under Elijah, as, as we know, Elijah came first. Elisha actually asked the Lord for a double portion of his power and spirit, which, which the Lord did grant to him, the great great prophet of God. And I, my, my focus is not going to be on Elisha this morning. It's going to be on, on, on the Shunammite woman. But I do want to point out to you, that Shunem was, was kind of in, a, in, in an area that was very specific and easy for Elisha to pass through. And let me explain that very quickly. Elisha's hometown um, is mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 16. We don't, we don't need to turn there. But the name of the town that, that Elisha grew up in, and in fact it's the town that Elijah found him working in and called him to, to be his, his predecessor or, or his follower, I'm sorry, um, the, the name of the town is is Abel Mehola, and it was about twenty miles southeast of Shunem, where the where the Shunammite woman lived, her and her husband there. And you know, basically on foot, on foot, you could travel about twenty miles a day, give give or take, depending on depending on the, the conditions of, of the weather and, and all that kind of thing. Um, so oftentimes he would Elisha would leave his hometown travel through Shunem to get to Mount Carmel, which was about another 25 miles on the other side of Shunem. He was traveling to Mount Carmel um, to, to do the work of the Lord. Um, that on, Mar- on Mount Carmel was where Elijah called down fire, defeated the, the prophets of Baal, and, and, and honored the Lord in a big way and had a great victory, probably the greatest victory of his life. And, in, and on that same place, many people believe that that on that hill, on that on that mountain, there was a, a school of the prophets there. Um, the, the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, but they, that's, that's what it's believed. So very likely, Elisha traveled back and forth from his hometown to Mount Carmel a lot. And it's, and it's clear th- from this passage of Scripture that that was the case. So this was, this was a perfect in-between place, Shunem, to stop and rest for the evening as, as he traveled home um, from, from, Mount, from home to Mount, Mount Carmel. And it's it's obvious that the Shunammite woman took note of his travels and offered her her assistance. In fact, the verse verse 8 says, and she constrained him to eat bread. That word constrained is an interesting word. You know, I, the, the way I imagine it is she she was taking note of him passing through, knew that knew that he needed a, a place of rest, needed to needed to stop and eat before he continued the rest of his journey, and, and she offered. You know, you know, Elisha, I see you coming through, please stop, come in and eat. And he, he probably was like, no, it's, it's okay, I'm okay. But she constrained him, and she says, no, you're coming. You're coming in to eat. You know, and I know, you know some, some of you ladies are very good at constraining us to do, to do certain things. And, and I, I think she had that power in her, and, and she convinced him. Um, and and the, the good thing here is, is it, it didn't just stop with providing food. As, as we read, she noticed that Elisha was, again, making this trip often. And if they were feeding him, they, they, should, they might as well go ahead and provide lodging for him as well. So, so, you know, we see one of the very early examples of a honeydew list here. Um, she tasks her husband to build a small room or efficiency that would be added to, the Bible says here, the wall of their home, the side of their home. Um, and this would be a, a secure place for Elisha. And probably other travelers to turn into without much advance notice, and what a what a blessing that had to be for for elisha and this is this is the this is where we get the term prophet's chamber um and at, and brother brother clint, who's who's going to be speaking to us tonight, uh, be sure to come back and hear him preach tonight, but I know he's done a lot of travels in, in his missionary deputation, and it, prophets chambers are a blessing, aren't they? I mean, you don't don't have to pay. It's taken care of for you. You don't have to worry about it. It's there. You can go there, turn in, and then do what you need to do the next day and and get on the road. And I know that this was such a huge blessing for Elisha. So she saw the physical needs that he had. I want you to see, secondly, she perceived his spiritual needs as well. She perceived spiritual needs. Again, verse 9, she very clearly says, Behold now, I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passeth by us regularly or continually. You know, how, how, did, she, how did she perceive this? How, how, did, how did she see this? This woman probably began to do a little bit of detective work. And you ladies are very, very good at this detective work that you sometimes do. Um, call it the woman's intuition. Whatever, whatever the case may be, I, I've I've got to tell I've got to tell this story. So, about tw- I guess it was around two thousand. Um, 2000 or so. Kristen and I um, were were dating. Um, she was away at, at Pensacola Christian College, and we we had planned, or she was planning to have a I believe it was a surprise anniversary party, and. Um, at at Lindale Baptist Church was which, which the church is what we were going to, and um, Kristen was gonna we were gonna surprise them with the party, and Kristen was gonna fly in. The whole thing was supposed to be a surprise, and we're and we're talking at church. The, I think it may have been the week before. And Mike, don't get any don't get any ideas about this. But I, I say I was I actually sang a solo in, in the in the choir um, <laughs> that, that for a song that we were doing. And, and I was I was talking to Marlene, and and just you know she I think she kind of had a feeling of of she's back there shaking her head, she she had a feeling that something was going on with their anniversary, and, and she, she has a way of just digging that information out of me, and and she, you know I, I made she made the statement well it, don't you wish Kristen would be here to hear you sing that solo, and without even thinking I said well she'll be here next Sunday she'll get to hear it. <laughs> And there, I, I blew the surprise that she was coming home, and I blew the surprise that we were having an anniversary party, and, and she just she just worked it right out of me, and <laughs> she and of course she and, she, and I, you know it was it really my fault you know and they can't trust they can't trust me with any family secret from, from that moment forward so but no she I, I I make it sound like she manipulated me she didn't she did not do that it, it was my fault. Um, I, I, just, I guess I'm just not good at keeping secrets. So, But anyway, so she, th- this woman noticed the routine, and, and from, maybe from her and her husband talking with him, she came to understand that he was traveling to and from M- Mount Carmel. And w- we were talked about this last week. Brother Sharp talked to us about, about our spirit taking the lead. And I believe this is what happened. I believe this woman's spirit began to take the lead. It became more than just providing a meal she saw the need to enable the godly spiritual work that, that Elisha was doing. And we have an opportunity. And, and by the way, this message is, is not just for the ladies this morning. This message is for all of us. We have an opportunity, not just in our own lives to be involved in ministry, but to enable others to be involved in ministry and to work in ministry and to make a difference for the Lord. So what are we doing to enable God's work? Again, not just what we're doing for the Lord, but what are we doing to enable God's work in the lives of others? Who are we blessing? Who are we taking care of? Who are we giving our best so that we can do the work, so that I'm sorry, so that they can do the work that God has called them to do. And another question that I have to ask is, what is our motivation in meeting the needs of others, whether it be physical or spiritual? You know, if the answer to, to these questions or that questions have anything to do with, with I or me or mine, then our, then our intentions are, are skewed. Our intentions need to be pure. In, in that case, our, our motives are misplaced. When, when was the last time you took a moment and truly evaluated yourself in the ministry or ministries that you are involved in? Think about some of the ministries that, that you are involved in Your ministry, again, oftentimes is your home, first and foremost, and your family. Who are we focused on in our home? Are we focused on pleasing the Lord? Are we focused on pleasing ourselves and getting what we want in our way? What about at at your workplace? Who are you blessing for the honor and glory of the Lord in your workplace? And then, you know, whatever role it is that the Lord has you in here at this church, what are your motives? this morning. Are we truly a blessing within these ministries? So she perceived needs and she did her best. She strove to meet them. Secondly, she had a desire to serve the Lord and not herself. And that ties into exactly what we were just talking about. Look with me at verses 11 through 13. The Bible says there, and it fell on a day that he came thither, Elisha, and he turned into the chamber and lay there and he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. And when she had called her, or when he had called her, she stood before him. And he said unto him, Say now unto her, Behold, thou hast been careful for us with all this care. What is to be done for thee? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she answered, I dwell among mine own people. Underline that phrase right there in your Bible if that's your practice to write in your Bible. The end of verse thirteen. I dwell among mine own people. I'll say more about that in just a moment. But just very quickly, a couple things here that I want you to notice. First of all, she did not want any power or recognition for what she did for the, for Elisha. The phrase spoken for to the king. You know, you understand what that means. That Elisha, if just upon her request, could have gone to the king, and and really provided any want, any desire. That she wanted she was probably already a wealthy woman based upon what what we see here that what her husband was capable of doing but she could have asked for more money she could have asked for more influence she could have asked for anything that she wanted the king could have given her anything but she she didn't want that she didn't want the power or the recognition secondly she did not want protection she didn't want any kind of protection the phrase she could have been spoken for to the captain of the host so basically, the general of the army of, of that particular area could have, you know, they, she could have asked for a specific guard to watch over her house or a soldier, group of soldiers to be, to be specifically tasked with just watching over her family. But she didn't want to take from the army. She didn't want to take from the general. She knew that the Lord was going to take care of her. That, that's all she was trusting in here. And then the third thing, she had no need of help with any quarrel or issue. It's very clear here that we can see that if she had any problems with anybody, if somebody was, was doing her wrong, or she wanted to get back at somebody, all she had to do was say the word to the king, say the word to the general, and that those people could have been taken care of. But that wasn't the case. She didn't ask for that. There was no problem. She had no quarrel with anybody. In other words, her testimony was in great standing. Her testimony was in great standing. That's why the Bible calls this lady a great woman. And then the, third, or the fourth thing that I want you to see here is she was happy, again, just to dwell among her own people. And that's, that's the phrase that I had you underline in, in, verse, in verse 13. So again, Elisha says, what, what can I do for you? Can I speak to the king? Can I speak to the captain of the host? What is it that I can do? And she says, nothing. I don't, I don't need anything. I'm, I'm happy and I'm at peace with, with my family, with my people, with, with my hometown. I don't need anything to happen. What, what a testimony. She did not want Elisha to intercede on her behalf. She didn't want to be treated like a great person that the Bible called her. She didn't, she didn't need that. She didn't want that. She was, again, at peace with her own people and wanted it to remain that way. She just wanted to minister to the Lord by doing what she was doing for Elisha and his servant Gehazi. What a, what a lesson that is. What a lesson that is. That she could have had anything she wanted for what she did, but she, she said, no, I don't want to benefit from this. I want the Lord to benefit from this. And what, a, what an attitude, what a, what a motivation it is to, to do everything like that for the Lord. Listen, listen to what Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, and I, and I think you'll be familiar with these verses. Paul says this in Colossians three twenty three and 24, and whatsoever ye do, Whatsoever, anything you do, do it heartily. So you're you're giving your full effort, your, your attitude's in it. You're in the right place. You're doing it to your absolute best. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You know what? If we don't get rewarded here on this earth, the greatest reward that we can ever imagine is going to be waiting for us when we go on to, to eternity. You know, we, we deserve nothing. Christ deserves everything. And when we're doing things for Him and doing things for other people, that has to be the focal point is Him. Not, not us, not what we can gain, but Him. And, you know, the, the Bible teaches it over and over that when we do things in secret, He will reward us openly. When we do things in secret, He will reward us openly. But it also teaches that if we do it outwardly, if we do it to get not- notoriety or, or attention, then there's your reward. That's the reward. That's all you're going to get for it. If you, if, you want, if you want to just stand and be in front of people and get that recognition, you have your reward is what, is what Jesus says. But you do it privately, you do it with the intentions to just do it for the Lord, He'll, he'll reward you openly. And, and again, if... The, the, God's timing is always perfect with how He blesses and rewards us, and maybe maybe you're, th- you're thinking, well, I, I'm doing that. Where's my where's my blessing? Where's my reward? Well, I promise you, it's coming. If it does, if it doesn't happen here very soon, it, it certainly will one day. I promise you that. We're in for blessings that we can't even begin to describe. If if we've if we're born again, if we've called upon the Lord to save us and, and trusted in Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. So she was happy just to dwell among her own people. She, didn't want, she did not want recognition. She just did it for the Lord. What a, what a great woman this was. And then the third thing that I want you to notice this morning is that she was a great woman, but she still had her struggles. She still struggled. You know, none of us are, are void from, from the struggles of life but as we know, God puts, puts those there and allows them to be there for a very specific pur- purpose. Verse 14. Actually, let me read verses 14 through 17 and then we'll come back. It says, And he said, What then is to be done for her? And Gahazi answered, Verily, she hath no child, and her husband is old. And he said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door, and he said, About this season according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life. You know, the first thing I I want you to see here is, is A, under this, is she had much going for her, but one thing was missing. One thing was missing. And what I want you to notice is she did not ask for this. This was just a suggestion of Elisha's servant. Well, she's, she doesn't have a child. Maybe the Lord can bless her with a child. And the Bible just says that, that, that her husband was old. We don't, we don't know his age. We don't know her age. But you can infer here that, that she was pro- probably past the time of life where she could bear a child. That, that's just what we can infer from, from the passage. But again, it says, Verily she hath no child, and her husband is old. Their physical ability to conceive a child had passed. Or, or so they thought barrenness was considered really a curse by those those who believed in the one true God of Israel, but also even even by those who worshiped pagan false gods in the day it was It was just a part of the culture of the day if, if you were barren, if you didn 't have any children, you, you were being cursed for some reason or another, and you know again, she had so much that she was doing so much going for her, but this this one thing was, was, was seemingly missing in her life. And, and this, this was what, what she may call it, but again, she didn't ask for it, but it was the missed blessing in her life. And we have to understand this morning that God does everything for a reason. He does everything for a reason. This woman's womb was purposely closed by God. Why? Why, why would God do that? Why would, why would He allow this woman to be, to be barren? And, and, and go through the agony of not being able to have a child. I, I, you, can, you can guarantee she wanted a child. But why, why would God allow that? Why does he allow things like that in general? general? Think about something that, that may be missing in your life, a missed blessing. Why, why, would God, why would God do that? Why does he really do anything that he does so that he can show his power and might and so that he can be glorified every time? She had waited probably decades and decades to have, to have a baby, but her time never came again, or so she thought. His, his timing, God's timing, is always perfect. He was waiting to perform a miracle in, in the lives of, of this couple. So again, I, I have to ask you, what, what is seemingly missing for you right now? What is it, what is it that, that you have been waiting on but the Lord has seemingly forgotten about whatever that may be. No matter, no matter what it is, no matter what it is that we perceive as something that is missing, we have to understand that God is always at work behind the scenes of our lives doing it for His good and for His glory. His, while we are waiting on God, understand that God is waiting on us. Let me say that again. While we are waiting on God, God is waiting on us. Well, what what do you mean? What is He waiting for? What is He waiting for? He's just waiting for our contentment. He wants us to be content exactly where we are right now with exactly what He has given us up to this point. He wants us to be satisfied because everything that we have, everything that, that that we have been blessed with, comes from Him. And He's given us everything that we have for a specific purpose and reason. And, and when, we, when we begin to get upset with God because we don't have this or we don't have that, or you know, so many things we can fill the blank in with, we begin to lose our, our state of contentment. And what's the opposite of contentment? It's murmuring, complaining, being, being dissatisfied with, with what's going on in our life. And when we, when we get that way, we're basically telling God, you're not, you haven't done all things well. The Bible tells us that He does all things good, but he, when we do that, we're telling Him, you know, God, you, you're not doing right. You're not doing, you're not doing what I deserve. There's that that pride that begins to kick in. No matter the situation, no matter the outlook, good or bad, contentment is always the best policy. Let's let's be reminded of of what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And again, you're you're familiar with these verses. Here's here's what it says. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, and I'm going to come back to that, in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased. In other words, I know how to have very little. And I know how to abound. I know how to to be blessed. I know how to have a lot. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now let me back up to the statement that he says. He says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. So you know what that means, that, that at one time, he didn't have a grasp of contentment. He didn't know what it was to be content. But through living his life and listening to the Lord and listening to the Holy Spirit in his life, he learned what it meant to, to be satisfied, to be content with having little, with having a lot, and everything in between. God is, is waiting on us to be content with what we have. So she had a lot going for her, but one thing was missing. Secondly, I want you to see here, great people of God sometimes doubt the promises of God. Great people of God sometimes doubt the promises of God. Again, in verse 16, she says, after, after he says that about the time, or according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace the Son... She said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. In other words, she's saying, don't toy with my emotions. You know, Don't mess with me about this. I've, I, I wanted a child. I'm past that. Why are you telling me this? This, this, this made her struggle. It made her doubt the, what, what God promised. She has promised about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she says, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto me. Sarah Listen, Sarah, Abraham's wife. Remember, they were barren. God promised her a child. She struggled with doubt. In fact, she laughed it off. She doubted it so much. We see the Shunammite woman doubting here. Remember when, when the angel came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive even though she was a, bir- a virgin? She's like, well, how, how is that going to happen? I don't, I don't know a man. I've never been with a man. She had some doubt. Remember John the Baptist. Uh, The Bible says, Jesus says some amazing things about him. There's no greater than than walk this earth than John the Baptist. And when he was in prison, he had to send two of the disciples to Jesus to ask him, Art thou he that should come? Or do we look another? Look for another. John the Baptist doubted. even, Even Jesus Christ himself, and we know Thomas, one of the very disciples of Jesus, doubted. His name is Doubting Thomas. You know, when we struggle with doubt, we're in some pretty established company, as I just listed there. But that, that doesn't make it okay. That doesn't mean it should, it should happen. We cannot allow ourselves in our present circumstances to push us to doubt and then in turn affect our attitude, our outlook, and our faith. Again, let's choose to be content this morning. Let, let's choose to trust in the promises that God has given us and in so doing grow our faith. It is a we have to make. It certainly does not come naturally. Again, as Paul um, says, as, as we just read earlier in Colossians, let's, let's be learners of contentment and put it into practice. And then four and five, we'll, we'll cover here very quickly, but they're very important. Number four, the next thing I want you to notice about her is she understood that even in the gravest of circumstances, there can be peace. She understood that even in the gravest of circumstances, there can be there can be peace. Read along with me, beginning in verse 18. And when the child was grown, so the Lord fulfilled His promise. She gave him a child. It fell on a day that he went out to his father to the reapers, and he said unto his father, "My, my head, my head." And he said to a lad, "Carry him to his mother." Isn't that isn't that like a like a man to say, "Well, uh, take, go see your mom. You'll be fine." You know, I, I've <laughs> I've done that on more than one occasion. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. So obviously this was very serious, very tragic situation. More struggles are are entering the, the, the life of this woman. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called under her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses that I may run to the man of God and come again. What, what a lesson that is. In, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of our, our greatest need, where did where'd she run? She ran straight to the source. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. Um, you know, I'm, I imagine she prayed. I imagine she talked to God. But in that day, if you wanted to hear directly from God, you went to the prophet. And she, that, that was the beeline that she made. I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, wherefore wilt thou go to him today? In other words why why are you why are you going today it's neither new moon nor sabbath in other words it's not the right time to travel she said underline this this verse or under, underline this phrase it shall be well it shall be well verse 24 then she sat on an ass and said to her servant drive and go forward slack not thy riding for me except I bid thee so she went and came unto the man of god to mount carmel and it came to pass when the man of god saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant behold yonder is that Shunammite run now i pray thee to meet her and say unto her it is, w- is it well with thee is it well with thy husband is it well with the child now what are the answers to those questions no it's not things are not good but look at her response and she answered it is well again circle that what what an amazing what an amazing thing here that, that we see the, the phrase, it, is, it shall be well and it is well, really the word, the word well, it's the Hebrew word shalom, which is peace. That, that's literally what she was saying. When, when her husband, when her husband was, was doubting her for leaving and going straight to the man of God, she just said, peace, there's going to be peace. It's going to be fine. And, and then the, the servant of, of Elisha says, is everything okay? You know, is, is, is your husband okay? Is your son okay? Is all well? And she says, hey, again, peace, shalom, every, everything's fine. But it wasn't. It was not fine. What, what an attitude. What, what an amazing, again, woman this was, that in the midst of literally her son being dead on a bed in her home, she's at peace. She's at peace. What, what an amazing thing. Two great statements that we should, should use and apply in the midst of trouble. And, I, and I've just said it. It shall be well. In other words, that everything's going to be okay. She was saying God is going to give peace. God will give peace. You know, that, that's hard. That is difficult. When, when, when something hits us like a ton of bricks, peace is often not the, what we think of first. We're, we're often thinking, you know, oh, well, what am, I, what am I going to do? How, how am I going to get through this situation? How am I going to re- remedy whatever massive problem ha- has come up? But man, we, we, would, we would be so much closer to the Lord and be able to accomplish so much more within that situation if we handled it like this, like this woman did and just said, God's got it. There's going to be peace. And then, and then it is well. When he says it to the servant of Elisha, she says, everything is okay. God is giving peace. God is giving peace. And then lastly this morning, she had her greatest need met because she knew where to go. And I've already, I've already alluded to this. Verse 22, And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. Where is it that you are running to this morning? I don't know what need you have. I don't know what difficulty you're going through. I don't know what struggle it is that you're going through. But where are you running? Who are you running to? If you choose, and it is a choice that we have to make, to run to the source of, of everything that we need, our God, He, he is going to do His will, and His will is always best. We have to run to Him. We have to run to Him. She, and that's, that's A, she ran straight to the source. She ran straight to the source. And then, secondly, she stayed close to God until his will was fulfilled. I'm going to read verses 27 down through the end of the chapter to be finished here, and then we'll look at verse 30 again. And when she came to the man of God to the hill, she caught him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away, and the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me, and hath not told me. Then she said, Did I desire a son of of my Lord, in other words, I didn't ask for a child. Did did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand, and go thy way. If thou meet any man, salute him not, and if any salute thee answer him not again, and lay my staff upon the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. Again, remember Elisha is the direct source of the, of the direct revelation of God, she was not going to leave his side until his will was accomplished. And he arose and followed her. Verse 31, And Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff upon the face of the child, but there, but there was neither voice nor hearing. Wherefore he went again to meet him and told him, saying, The child is not awakened. There is not awaked. And when Elisha was come into the house, behold, the child was dead and laid upon his bed. He went in therefore and shut the door upon them twain, and prayed unto the Lord. Underline that, and prayed unto the Lord. You know Everything that we do, especially in a situation like this, has to be immersed in prayer. Verse 34, And he went up and lay upon the child, and put his mouth upon his mouth, and his eyes upon his eyes, his hands upon his hands, and stretched himself upon the child, and the flesh of the child waxed warm. Now why did he do that? Because he was, he was doing what he knew, he was doing what he, what he was taught. That's what Elijah did. Verse 35, Then he returned and walked in the house to and fro and went up and stretched himself upon him again. And the child sneezed seven times. Seven the number of completion, the number of perfection. And the child opened his eyes. And he called Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she was come in unto him, he said, Take up thy son. She went in and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground and took up her son and went out. What an amazing story. What a great, what a great woman. She stayed so close to, to God. She stayed right by His side until His will was fulfilled. And you know what? She could not have done that. She could not have done that if, if she wasn't taking care of the needs of other people. She could not have done that if she did not practice contentment. She could not have done that if she was putting herself first in the situation. She couldn't have done that in any of these cases. She couldn't have done it with, with, without these things that she had in place in her life. Every single day she strove to do that. And if we're going to stay right in the place of God, right where He is at in, in our most difficult time, we have to be content. We have to put others before ourselves. And we have to put our trust in Him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the example of, the, of this woman from Shunem. Lord, women and men alike this morning, this, this applies so much to our lives. Lord, I don't know whose, whose hearts you're speaking to this morning, maybe about the issue of, of contentment. Maybe it's the issue of, of meeting the needs, physical and spiritual needs of others with the right attitude. Lord, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I know that you spoke to my heart in this. Lord, our motives matter. Our, you, you, you see our heart. Everyone else around us can see what's going on on the outside, but you, you see our heart. You see our intentions. You see our motives. Lord, speak to our hearts this morning as we, as we consider what it is that we're doing for you. Or, or some struggle that we're going through and we're, we're struggling with contentment, we're, we're struggling with, with a missed blessing in, in our life. Lord, help us to learn from, from what this woman did and how she lived her life in a selfless way. Father, speak to our hearts this morning and bless the invitation. Lord, we love you and thank you for all that you're going to do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.